welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hey, Paul. How's it going today? Uh, fantastic. Um, it's so funny. Uh, we've been doing these in kind of the two-week increments, which I'm hoping the audience is liking. Uh, gives us time to prepare and kind of give some deeper thought into some of these topics um, and work on them behind the scenes. Um, people out there, we, we don't just get on the microphones. Um, we, we are researching and we're trying to put our notes together and get things ready so you have a, a decent podcast to listen to. Um, one of the things that came up while uh, in the last couple of weeks was my son had lost one of my credit cards. Um, it was interesting. Uh, my wife took my son and my daughter to go pick up food, takeout. And they called me frantically like a half hour later that they lost the credit card, right? My son was very upset and this and that. And, you know, we've had issues with the credit card before, but um, long story short, I said, you know, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out, right? So I go online to check, um, you know, how, you know, to turn off the card. And my credit card company, and it's a big shout out, um, to, to, to the big to the big banks they have this I'm not going to mention the bank but they have a mechanism where you could temporarily just turn off your card yeah which was very interesting I didn't know that existed uh, as a new feature and so I just slid the slider over in in the web page and turned it off temporarily and um, long story short again I, I um, took my son back to where he um, lost it. Because uh, it was it was weird that it was just like lost. It was kind of weird. But we walked into one of the stores and we said, hey, I said, hey, did anyone return a credit card or see a credit card? And the girl pulled it right off the top of the register. Right. So ah. I, you know, I got home. Um, you know, uh, we had the credit card. I could have done it from my phone right there. But I got home. I jumped back onto the Web page and I slid the slider and then business as usual. The credit card is back. So many years ago, I know when I've lost credit cards. Um, it was a big ordeal, right? You had to go in and cancel, do a full cancel. Now, the credit card companies and technology is so sophisticated that you could just go in and just put a temporary freeze on it until it gives you time to look through your jeans and your car and where you were last to get the credit card back. So I thought that was very cool. It saved me a lot of headaches. So thank you to the big banks on that. So um, it was very cool. Uh, so today's topic... Um, is we're gonna we're gonna revisit um, pay off your mortgage revisited a healthy debate between the two Pauls but first let's talk about some news we saw this past week the first news story is from CNN and it's mortgage rates rise again making refinancing less attractive for many homeowners so looking at this um, story i was reading it through uh, i think for the foreseeable future the rates will probably fluctuate between two and five 2.5 to four percent uh the shorter the term the better to reduce your interest expense so paul what was what is your take on this story well i kind of agree uh they're, they're going to stay low for quite some time they've been low historically low for uh, a good decade now uh, and they they never really got very high again. I remember when I, my first mortgage uh, back in 1997 or so, I was at around seven and a half, maybe seven and three quarters. So now with rates, you know, in the twos or low threes, it's just absolutely staggering. There, there are other impacts to that on other financial tools like annuities or, um, uh, other instruments, bonds. So it has an interesting impact on that side. But from a consumer point of view, uh, don't really see them going up that high anytime soon. It's uh, unless something dramatic happens, I think we're going to stay pretty low for a while here. Yeah, I think for the foreseeable future, that's what I think we anticipate is it to be lower. So, you know, I think, you know, the the, the net of this story is, you know, rates are tumbling. Could you benefit from a refinance? It's always the same um, um, uh, story that we've said in past podcasts, right? If you could save a, a full point, uh, probably worth jumping in. 
and getting that refi done. Uh, so if you're ready to go, uh, it's probably a great time, um, even with the rates rising, to be at this 2.5 to 4% range. Yeah, but just when you do that, Paul, remember, download the current amortization schedule from your current provider and just compute very simply how, how much interest you still owe on that loan. And then when you take that into account with the new loan to find out what the new amount will be and you just get the amortization schedule for that as well, don't forget any fees or additional points for a refi and then really see if you are saving money. You know, sometimes it's great to do it if maybe you want to shorten your term. Uh, you could do that without necessarily refinancing just by paying off more, you know, every month. So just look at the table of the data and do the math. Yep. A great call out, right? You want to do your research. You want to look at every angle that you can before you do the refi and, and make sure that you're doing it, you know, to, to your benefit. If, if, it, if the benefit is not there, there's no sense in going through the cycles to try to get it done. Our second news story um, is from MarketWatch. Um, this new type of reverse mortgage would help retirees generate much more income. Um, I tried to read through this story, Paul, with an emphasis on try. I had a hard time following the article, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think that if you can't understand the product itself, there's a risk. And I really need somebody to ELI 5 this for me. And when I say ELI 5, explain it to me like I'm 5. To me, it feels like it would just be easier to sell the home and downsize and buy for cash as a better option in the end. Um, what I haven't liked about these reverse mortgages is they're riddled with a lot of fees. There's a lot of bad press on them. And there's these stories that pop up that will describe good press about them. But I'm really, I really think that I would have to do more research on these to figure out what I would need to to do in terms of uh, moving this, uh, getting this product. Well, Paul, what was your opinion on this new story? Yeah, Paul, what I found interesting was what Hong Kong is doing. They, they haven't been doing reverse mortgages as long as the U.S. I think the article was showing the U.S. started in 1961 out in the Midwest. Hong Kong started it much later, but they don't have the requirement that you must be living in the property for the reverse mortgage. So in that region, I believe it's much more common there than maybe here in parts of the U.S., where you have multiple generations living together. So you could take the equity out of the home via a reverse mortgage and, say, potentially rent out the place. Maybe you're in a good neighborhood and you rent it out. So now you're getting two sources of income coming into you, and you can do what you will with it at that point in time. Now, keep in mind, a reverse mortgage is really just simply another loan. It still has to be paid back upon the home sale, or you know, if you, you know, depart this great blue marble in uh, in our universe <laughs> here. But uh, it it is a loan. That that's what it is. You still have your property taxes. You still have your homeowners insurance. But it, it's an interesting concept. I you know I haven't really thought about it much for myself or or even my family. I I know. My parents are looking at it a different way. So, interesting. I've always thought it was an interesting tool. I always felt uncomfortable with it because what happens if I outlive those payments? And I think that's the big fear of it, right? So, if I do a reverse mortgage for 30 years and I have luckily have a longevity in me, hopefully, then what happens, right? You have to start making payments back to the mortgage all over again. So something, I, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. I'd rather just downsize and and live a simpler life maybe. Yeah, no, I, I it's it's fascinating that um, I didn't know it was 1961. I could believe it. This product, um, you know, my experience with the product is I know that my grandmother asked me about it once and I looked at it many years ago at a very high level. And from my cursory research, I didn't go too deep into it, but it didn't apply to like condos or co-ops and she's in a co-op. So I kind of dropped it. But, you know, it's gotten a lot of bad press over the years. And the other thing that is a telltale sign that, you know, this might not be a great product or maybe there's not 
maybe it's a, a decent product if it's done right, but I see a lot of late night TV commercials for you know reverse mortgages, right? You'll see a lot of this like during episodes of the Golden Girls, right? They're, they're it's almost like they're preying on the elderly a bit, and so you know I think the short answer, you know, we don't want to over overblow the story. Maybe we'll have to do a full episode on reverse mortgages. And kind of do it our detailed research on it like we typically do and we'll make that a topic and we'll get that out there because many of you might have parents that might be in this situation and maybe we can help them so Paul we'll take that as a takeaway um, to maybe do reverse mortgages as a full-blown episode it'd be fascinating to dig deep because I'd like to know the truth right there's both sides and I'd like to know what's in the middle and that's probably the truth so um, yeah and I agree and just uh, one final point on that the, the reason why they're advertising on like the Golden Girls and things like that are if you look at it when that show was out and popular and, you know, those people 20, 30 years later now, they're in that situation. So it's more targeted advertising. Yep. Because that's who generally is, is going to look at this, Paul. So yep. I, I don't think I would say they're preying on them, but they're just marketing towards that that age group. Yeah, no, agreed. And, you know, we'll add it as a topic. We'll do a full topic on it and we'll give everyone what we can find and, and see if we can come up with a with an opinion, uh, you know, as to, you know, what these look like. So uh, with that, we're on to our weekly topic. And it's exciting for me because it was our first podcast topic. Pay off your mortgage uh, was the first one. So we're going to do it now. Pay off your mortgage revisited a healthy debate between the two Pauls. Um, the reason why we're revisiting this is um, Jody and I were pretty like-minded when it came to this topic. So there wasn't a lot of discussion. It was really at this point, at that point in time, you know, it was just, we just talked about it. We talked about my story and I'll reiterate some of that today. But um, I know, Paul, that you you have some opinions on this. And, and once again, there's no right or wrong answer to this to start, you know, it's okay to disagree with each, you know, that with between ourselves on some of these topics. And then we want to allow the, audience uh, our listeners to make that determination on what they want to do personally because i don't think there's a right or wrong answer here right i i think that it really comes down to um your personal risk profile and everyone's different uh, when it comes to this um you know so uh, for me um a lot of my risk profile is tied to family debt history right um and and so you know uh, when it comes to debt my family as a whole has not they have not gotten along well in the sandbox. Debt has always been a chronic issue, and, and I kind of learned from that. So for me, um, I want to get debt out of my life, right? That's just me, and that's just the way it is. So that's how I look at it. Um, I've been several years mortgage-free now, and 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 uh, no, the journey to payoff was pretty interesting. I, I sort of procrastinated a bunch of times in terms of pulling the trigger on big mortgage payments. I remember when I decided to really dive in, I took a large chunk of cash that we had diligently slaved, you know, uh, to save and, and, and sent it to the mortgage company. I said, oh, what did I just do? I remember just hesitating, putting it in the mailbox, right? Dropping that check in. Um, but then once I got started, um, I never looked back. I have no regrets whatsoever. I remember the day that we paid off the last payment. I have a picture of me holding that envelope uh, in my driveway and, and I'm saving that picture for my eventual book that I'm um, in the middle of writing. Um, and I wanna have that in there, right? I remember that day vividly. I remember dropping, that was a happy moment. There was no hesitation, dropping that envelope with the final payment into the mailbox. Um, but once again, everyone's different. I have the, our financial superhero at the time. I told him what I did. He goes, you're a moron. And we'll talk about that today, right? Um, because, you know, from his perspective, um, you know, uh, the money's cheap and you can invest in it. But, you know, once again, edge case for me, you know, he is a sophisticated investor and I'm not. So when I tried to do that a couple of times, it never worked out for me. Um, but, you know, for me, the, the net result has been I've been able to replenish that savings back that I had put into the mortgage. So net, net, I'm kind of where I was before and, I'm, and I've improved my cash flow. And, and today, essentially, we're banking that old mortgage payment, um, you know, and it just, it's happening through, like, just organically. It's just happening, you know, just, you know, because we don't have that much expenditure every month. 
It just naturally doesn't go anywhere else. It's just staying put in the account. So, and also the pressure's off on life. There's a weird sense of independence, uh, career-wise, life-wise, vacation-wise, stuff like that. So for me, it's it's been big, uh, and it's been a, a big, it was a big goal. We got it done. Uh, once again, I'm reiterating what I said on the first podcast, but I think it's worth reiterating. It just wasn't about the financials, and it wasn't just around interest rates. It was just this sigh of relief that it's done, and I don't have to worry about it anymore, right? I can move on to the next big hurdle, which is college savings or, you know, focus on retirement, stuff like that. So, you know, and just one last thing, Paul, before I hand the mic to you, a big shout out uh, to Dave Ramsey. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. Um, he was the only financial uh, personality that I could find at the time that actually endorsed paying off your mortgage and getting it done. All the other ones kind of sidestepped that. That wasn't a big focus. And big Dave Ramsey from the beginning was always that guy who... Uh, said pay off your mortgage. It was part of his baby steps. And now years later during pandemic times and uh, some of these financial wizards have changed their point of view on this now, right? So now they're saying, oh, maybe it really is a good idea to pay off your mortgage and get it done, right? So it, it really depends. I think it comes down sometimes to um, the times that we're living in. And, and, and my last shout out is to the mortgage professor, mortgageprofessor.com. He has this incredible... Uh, mortgage uh, payment calculator that will calculate automatically for you. If you send in $500 extra one month and 200 the next month and 1000 the following month, it'll track it to the penny and show you your goals. And we put that link out on the uh, Facebook page a long, long time ago. So I'm not going to repost it. Just scroll through so you can see all the great posts that we've done. So with that, Paul, I'm going to get off my soapbox. I, as you can hear, I'm very passionate about paying off the mortgage, and I want to hand the mic to you to hear your current situation and some of your views, and then we'll jump into uh, the discussion and topic. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Paul. Uh, I didn't know if you were going to get off the soapbox there, right? You, you were going, you were on a roll for a little while there. Uh, wow. So I, I have to be honest with you, right? I, I've always had the mindset of pay off the damn mortgage, pay it off, pay it off, pay it off. And, and I've been diligently working on that, including I refinanced over the years. I went from a 30 year after a few years, I was able to knock it down to a 15 year, uh, not just the term, but also the rates were so low. Right, right now, my rate is uh, very good. I've had this mortgage for um, five or so years now. I'm at 2.85%. All right. So now I'm at 2.85%. I look at how much I owe still on the property. And I, as I said before, the amortization schedule, looking at that, pulling that down, and how much interest there is left on the loan. All right. So I, I now know how much I have left to pay. I don't say it's 20 grand, whatever it is. Um, when I look at that, and then... I figure, okay, that $20,000 is what I'm going to pay in interest and however much I owe on the loan is whatever, but what else could I do with that money if I just paid it off? Say I just paid it off. If I'm investing that money, and if you look at the average return in an investment portfolio, you're bound to make a lot more than 2.85% over 10 years. Right. So why am I I'm almost giving money away at that point? I, I understand that there's a huge, huge psychological component to it. And I'm actually writing a, a paper on it. Um, you and I talked about that maybe a month or so ago. I have to finish that paper because uh, I do think it ties to a lot of other things. And you alluded to a lot of them already about, you know, work and such. But if, if I can feel comfortable knowing that, well, instead of paying it off, I'm investing it and I'm getting a greater return on my money for it. That's awesome. Now, what makes it more compelling, I think, to do that today than it did 20 years ago is the rates. The mortgage rates are so low. It's cheap money. It's so cheap, the money. 
and and that's the difference. Twenty years ago, when you're paying seven and a half, eight percent, yeah, and, and you and maybe in the market you're getting that same amount. I'd rather get the debt off my back. But now with rates so low, and the market, you know, obviously the market is a risky investment, as you were saying, it's tied to your risk tolerance. But th that's where I'm at. So uh, my thinking has changed quite a bit over the years. It always was paid off, paid off, paid off. And again, I was looking at the returns on average investing versus what I'm paying on this on these loans. And that's why I paid it off so hard and aggressively. But I also refinanced aggressively and cut down my term where I could, which is a, a separate sort of thought on that. It, it has its own risk profile. So even though you're refinancing, if you're also cutting the term, it's highly likely, depending on how much of a jump there is or decrease there is, I should say, in your rate, you know, your, your payments could be more. So you really need to do that math and understand that if you were to shorten your term, because you can save a significant amount of money by doing that as well. So I'll take a breather there, Paul, for a moment, let you uh, hop in. Yeah, no, I think this is great, right? It, it leads into one of the topics, right? The risk reward, investing in stocks and other investments versus paying off your mortgage, right? So, you know, I, I think there's no right or wrong answer here. Um, we want the listeners to kind of, you know, take their make their own decision when it comes to this. I could tell you at the time, I think it came down to timing for me um, when I refied into my uh, refied from a 30 year to a 15 year. I looked at the remaining, you know, interest schedule. And I think when I paid off my mortgage, I avoided paying an, an additional 150000 in interest expense over the next X amount of years, which was big to me. So I looked it at it big. that way. Um, I also looked at, can I take the money that I'm putting in? So if I'm, you know, at 3.375 and I'm averaging, you know, 8% or 9% from a mutual fund, but then I extrapolate out, you know, the tax uh, implications of that and such, am I really making a big amount of money? And this is just me, right? Well, uh, in well, my depends, calculations, well, uh, right? If you're pulling the money out of the mutual fund, that's when you're going to have a tax event. If it's staying in there... You're not going to have a tax event until later on. No, no, I right? agree with that, right? I, I think it comes down to, you know, uh, I'm trying to compare apples to apples, right? So at some point, you got to take the money out, right? And if you want to, if you want to, you know, make that investment, uh, and maybe, maybe not, right? Maybe to your point, if you're keeping it in a mutual fund in perpetuity, right, and let it continue to grow. And, you know, but at some point you may want to take that money out for retirement or something else. So I'm just kind of running it from my personal situation that I was looking at it at the time and saying, okay, I'm at 3.375, um, you know, 9% minus the, you know, and let's say I make 9% on that money after tax, I'm looking at, you know, 6%, six, six like I, I was just running the numbers at the time and, and it just didn't feel to me like it was worth continue I, I saw the loans just like my college loan and my mortgage i see it i saw it as like an annoying pet something that was just always there that i gotta i gotta care for and feed and i gotta i gotta worry about every month um until it's gone right and or till it dies right? <laughs> if you want to call it that i know i'm using a gruesome uh, so maybe pet's not the right word maybe it's a pest Right, you have this pest in your house. I'll add a an S to it. Right, you have this pest in your house. Right, and you want to get rid of it. And that's how I kind of looked at it. So, when I paid off my college loan, I never looked back. I paid off uh, when we paid off my wife's college loans. We never looked back. Um, and when we paid off the mortgage, never looked back. Paid off the cars, never looked back. Um, you know, it, it was just one of those things that um, risk reward and, and interest rate aside, um, we just it, it's just it was just something that we like to have and we like doing but paul i don't disagree with you there's there's probably uh there is a mathematical certainty that you know at this point in time depending on the situation like in your situation you you probably make money uh by not paying off your mortgage and that's fine so you agree <laughs> so it, it's it's a risk reward. It, well, I, I think when I say agree, are. I think I think that 
I don't know if I agree because if I were in your <laughs> shoes, I would pay off the mortgage, right? Um, once again, I'm going back beyond. I'm gonna. I'm mean, now we're gonna branch out to some of the other t- discussions that. Okay, the single threaded, because that's where I think we're both stuck is is or not stuck, but we probably disagree. Is this risk reward right? So there is this mathematical certainty that you probably will, you know, you'll, you'll make more money, right? Or p- potentially, there's always risk. There's always risk, right? So so you're fa- you're assuming that these mutual funds are gonna be at the same rate. And they'll be at that same valuation when you need it, right? And that's not always the case, right? No, so, but it also depends on how long you're talking. If you're talking term for term, if you owe 10 years on your mortgage, compare that to a 10-year return on on, a, on an investment. Yeah, but you're looking not, at historicals. Sorry, not, you're not, not looking not at you, if you, you're looking at the historicals, right? Well, and historically. If you look forward in the future, you're guaranteed you're you're guaranteed a return on paying off your mortgage. Where you are not guaranteed a return on that mutual fund. Yes, historical precedence, ten year return, eight percent, right? The next ten years, if you were caught in trying to get your money out in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, it might have been a different story, right? There were kids that were planning to go to college during those times and the timing was off. And they saw their college savings cut in half, right? So it, it, it's a challenge, right? But if you're willing to weather the storm, it's there. Once again, it, I, I will – I agree that mathematically it could be better to have that money somewhere else doing something else. And if you talk to our financial – my financial superhero, he'll tell you the same thing. But – when I have this conversation with him, he's a sophisticated investor, right? He is a way different. So he's not, we're not talking mutual funds and, and, and stuff that, um, I'd likely invest in. We're talking options, shorting stocks. We're talking private equity investments. We're talking stuff that has a very high risk reward. So if you're pushing 10 plus points return on investment, right? And you know what you're doing and you're confident in your investing strategy and you're pushing 10%, 12%, 15%, 20%, right? On your investments and your mortgage is, is 2%, 2.5%. For him, his risk, he's fine, right? He He's weathering that storm. And, and I talk to him and sometimes when his investments don't go the way he thought, you know what I mean? And investing in some of these Absolutely. stocks that like, you know, like Lehman Brothers, Huge position yep. in Lehman, and then it disappears. Huge Overnight. position in Bear Stearns, and it disappears, right? So I think it comes down to this this idea that mathematically it could return. And maybe that's where I'm going to – we did this in the last episode. I'm going to say that it could return a bigger yield for you, but it's not guaranteed. And, and, I'm, and we could talk about low versus high risk, but it's not guaranteed that if I put my money – into an investment that it's going to outperform my my the, my mortgage, and, but I know that when I pay off my mortgage, it's guaranteed, right? I, that three point three seven five, I had a guarantee in my money, right? Especially when the whole tax deduction advantage went bye bye. That was the big right. thing, and maybe that we could was... just shift gears, or if you want, I'll let you have the last word on the risk reward, and let's jump into the whole tax deduction. Um, uh, uh, right. Topic. So, uh, Paul, you're, you're absolutely right on that. I, we can agree on that. It is a risk reward. But for, for me, it also the risk reward is, OK, I have this mortgage. All right. If I invest that money instead of uh, paying off the mortgage all or, or being more aggressive on it, I can make more money on it. But in the back of my mind, I also look at it, you know, again, risk reward on my emergency fund. So if something happens with that money, you know, where am I? How much is in my emergency fund? And this is something you and I've talked about a few times, right? You gotta have the right number for you in that emergency fund. And that helps weather some of the storms psychologically. I am by nature a very conservative uh, person around this, right? I just feel as if I've gotten a little bit more sophisticated with some of the stuff, a little bit better knowledge over the years, and watching numbers carefully. So um, I, I think we agree it's a risk tolerance sort of thing. 
But uh, the next topic, the next part of it is, yeah, when I took away the mortgage uh, rebate on, on your taxes. Go ahead. Yeah, that shut a lot of people up, right? I had a lot of friends, accountant friends, right? I was an accountant major, uh, accounting major, and I didn't go that route. But um, I had a lot of friends that were accountants, and, 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 and they will tell you, hey, you know, you lose your tax deduction, you lose your tax deduction. And Dave Ramsey did a great, there's a great chapter in his um, Total Money Makeover book where he talks about the myth of the tax deduction advantage. But that aside, it's gone now. So it's not, it's kind yeah. of a moot point. Um, they took it away. Everything is capped, um, you know, in terms of your real estate tax plus your mortgage interest expense. It's capped, I believe, at 10K um, across the, the U.S. And, and maybe in some parts of the country who might be listening to this podcast or in other countries that might be listening to this podcast, the tax deduction advantage is there. But you really have to look at it holistically. And, and for me, when I dug into the tax advantage, um, you know, whatever that, and it's on the interest. So if your mortgage payment was, I'm just going to use round numbers. If your mortgage payment was a thousand dollars a month and the interest expense was $300, um, well that $300, if you're in a 25% or a 30% tax bracket or 25% tax bracket, you're saving seventy five. You're, you're so you're you're paying three hundred dollars in interest to avoid giving seventy five dollars to uh, the federal government, right? So that was the that was the thing at the time, right? So that's how I kind of rationalized it. It was good to have, um, and it was good to have it in there. It did help bolster the case. It was one other feather in the cap to have a mortgage and keep it around like it was a pet. Um, but at the end of the day. Uh, they took it away, which I was really surprised. They thought that the mortgage industry and, and the housing market would have collapsed when that took place, and it and it really hasn't. So, Paul, nope. what's your take when it came comes to the tax deduction advantage and and, and that topic? I, I agree with you, Paul. It is sort of a, a false advantage in that sense, right? It's kind of like, all right, so I'm paying the money's going away somewhere. It's either going to a bank or going to the government. Or, or, and, or you might give it to your favorite charity. Or your favorite charity, right? Which could be myself, right? Um, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, because the charity of tax deductions, you know, maybe that's a, a way to, to help you there. But, you know, it, it hurts, right? Because you, you know you're putting more away. I, I, ever since that happened, I've adjusted my withdrawals from my that my employer takes out to make sure I'm covering that so I don't owe or try to minimize how much I owe every year at the end of the year when the taxes are done. I, I just spoke to my accountant, I think, three times yesterday going over my paperwork, uh, trying to make sure I, I gave him everything and everything's in line. So, yay, that's all done. Cool. Thankful for that. Uh, thankful to have a, a really good accountant. I, I enjoy him. Um and it's funny, Paul, just back to the mortgage for a minute there. I actually, believe it or not, talked to a financial advisor uh, a week or two ago. I don't think I told you. And just talking about well, how can they help me and such. And this is one of those ones that's only investment advisor. They're not a broker. Uh, I kind of like their model a lot in that they don't get commissions on trades. It's really just about managing and helping you with the portfolio. So I, I really like that model. And we were going over numbers very quickly. And I, I said, I, I have no desire to pay off the mortgage right now. He said, with what you owe and the interest and how much you know, you're going to be paying on the interest, we'd rather invest that money. So it, it was interesting. I, I know it's kind of the norm to say it that way yeah i was right? gonna say if if you think your hot water heater is on the fritz and and you have a plumber come over to look at it chances are he's gonna tell you yeah i agree right that's True. part of it you know well, like and that depends my plumber was awesome he helped me uh, <laughs> he, he walked me through how to fix my furnace uh, oh my plumber it was zero degrees yeah out, my uh, plumber came uh, we talked about this in a previous episode you know i switching gears for one sec i i had a a flood in my basement 
Christmas Eve one year and the owner of the plumbing company came over to bail me out. So yeah, shout outs yeah. to the plumbers. I'm not trying to compare <laughs> and call them as devious, yeah. but I think, you know, I, I think a financial advisor is going to tell you, you know, Hey, you, you're better off investing that money. And, and they, and once again, if, if, from a pure mathematical perspective, um, that it could be, I'm going to use the word could be advantageous. Right. Right. All right. You're going to switch gears on us. Yes. So going to the, um, you know, kind of focusing on um, the additional household uh, cash flow. So I noticed that with the mortgage paid off, that was definitely something that I didn't anticipate fully. Right. So what what happened was after the mortgage was done um, quickly and in an accelerated fashion, uh, savings started to build up a lot quicker. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, but but once again, did I really lose a lot of traction investment wise? Right. So now, if I wanted to take that equal amount of money that I've saved up and put it against the mortgage again, right, or you know, some variant of that, um, I can invest it, right. So did I? I, I might have lost a little time, but well, in the lost, end, say you lost five years on that same amount of money. We've been in one of the biggest bull markets for a while, which is a whole separate discussion. Yeah, like, and I could not actually going to last. Yeah, and I could invest more aggressively now because I don't have to worry about the pressure of having my mortgage out there if I lose my job, right? Like there's there's yep. all these psychological effects that I think um, you know come into play. But the one nice thing was the additional household cash flow. We ha I have spread my ring wings a little bit. Um, if you listen to our retirement episodes way back when. My mantra was that I only do investing in my uh, retirement funds. That's where I do the majority of my uh, higher risk, medium to higher risk investing, and my low. And I wouldn't have any zero to very low investment risk in my actual cash on hand, which would consist of the emergency fund. And you know, at the time, it was an occasional. 1% CD, right? At one point, I think a few years ago, I actually managed to get a 1.75% CD, right? And because I knew I wasn't doing anything with the money and it was just parked there. But I have spread my wings a little bit and started dipping my toe into those waters. So, um, and I think I said this on a, uh, it started with our friend Marcy. She was on a podcast with us and I had committed on that podcast to take some money and put it into mutual funds. And I finally did pull the trigger right after that episode. So you could listen back to the Marcy episode. Um, and and so I started slowly uh, dollar cost averaging into the S&P and dollar cost averaging into some of the technical stock funds and stuff. And they're doing okay. They're doing okay. But I think the additional household income and the cash flow has enabled me to kind of do that. And, and so... Um, I think we're just doing it two different ways. Um, you know, yep. you, you have your mortgage and you're you're taking the money, investing it where I don't have a mortgage and I'm just taking that money now that and, and now starting to invest it more freely um, and, and investing into areas that I might not have invested into before because now the pressure's off from a risk perspective in terms of what happens if I lose that money. Well, it's not as bad as it used to be when I owed all this money on the house. So. I, what's your take when it comes to the additional household cash flow benefit? I love cash, right? I, I just absolutely love cash. Uh, uh, believe it or not, I used to, whenever we went to, say, Home Depot or Lowe's, whatever, I would always pay cash. Uh, but now with cash back credit cards and I pay them off all the time, I'm willing to use that as a tool to maximize my cash because I never pay interest on it because I always pay it off. So having more cash flow for me is great. My problem is I have uh, expensive hobbies and tastes. So <laughs> it'd be making sure I take that money and doing something good with it, whether it be, you know, charitable donations or banking it to make more money, hopefully investments or something else on the side. I, I, I don't know. But I, to me, cash is always king. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to the additional cash flow coming in. That makes me happy. It really does. So the, the whole model that we've been talking about here of investing it versus paying off the mortgage, 
my innate nature and instinct is to just get rid of the mortgage, make it go away, like you, like Jody. However, watching my numbers over the years and looking at the rates and, and because my mortgage rate is so low, I, I chose actually years ago not to pay additional on that primary so I could do other things with that money because it was so low. Yeah, so. and that makes sense, right? And and all the all the ribbing aside, Paul, you know, Paul and I, we've known each other for years. This is all in fun, right? Where this is a healthy debate, and I'm learning that may you know some of these different things from Paul and 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 hopefully and vice versa. versa. And yep. you know, but for me, you know, I, I still will go back to the fact that for me, once again, this is personal, and that's why everyone out there who's listening, you're gonna have a different opinion on this when you're done. You're right. You're gonna say, huh, that Paul makes sense, or huh. That other poll makes sense, right? And I don't know which poll it'll be, but you will <laughs> you will figure out what's good for you, right? And 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 so and that's something we would love for people to feedback. If you if you hear this this week, send us an email, uh, post it to the Facebook page, tell us your thoughts on this whole topic. We'd love to dig into some of the feedback on a future episode. Um, one of the other things that we'll talk about, and Paul, you're probably better to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about some of the negativity of having the mortgage paid off, right? Because I've been focused on all the positives, but there is some level of, um, I'll call it maybe short-term losing liquidity. So you have all the, I have all this cash flow now, but at the time I lost all my liquidity, right? Because I was dumping it into the mortgage, right? And there was an inherent risk back then that I I never did it to the point where my household uh, emergency fund was completely depleted. But I did it to the point where I shaved it, right? To, 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 especially in the last legs of that journey. Um, so losing liquidity, uh, depending on your timing, could be bad, right? So, so it's interesting. It's going to be hard to get a new mortgage if I don't have a job. So, you know, um, you know, if I or just, you know, so if at the time I had put all my money into the mortgage and then lost my job. And now I can't get that money out because it's already at the mortgage company and they won't give me a new mortgage because... I don't have a job, right? <laughs> so it's it's an interesting timing thing. Once again, it's a timing thing, right? It could have happened to me. I talked about risk of risk reward with stocks or investments. It's the same thing with, with liquidity, right? If I gave up too much of that liquidity at the time and I needed it for some catastrophic, inform, you know, situation, I would have looked like a moron. But now I look like uh, I look brilliant, and it's the same thing with investing as well. But what's your take when it comes to uh, losing liquidity? By paying off the mortgage. Uh, that, that makes me nervous, quite frankly. Because, you know, I always have the numbers in my head. What do I need to sort of survive, if you will, for if something happens? What are, and that could be anything, right? Just how much do I need to to stay here? And without selling the, the property, just, you know, maintaining almost normal. Like, what, what does that number need? And... I like having that liquidity. I, I like having a flexibility. Um, my my washing machine broke ten days ago. I tried to fix it myself. Got a motor, put it in. Then the other motor bearing sort of shot on it. It's fairly old. It doesn't owe me anything. I was trying to milk it along. So yeah, now I ended up getting another washing machine that should be here very soon, Paul. Right? Yes. Um, but. Yeah, you know, so having that liquidity in the account, while I hate it, you know, having to buy something like that, it to me, it's nice knowing it's really not going to change anything in my plan because I, I have the flexibility there. So, the, my wife and I, we, we talk about it a lot. Like, what, what does that mean for us? What is the liquidity? What is the emergency fund? How aggressive do we want to be with some of the investment stuff? And it's interesting. I actually think her risk profile, she is uh, has a little bit more risk tolerance than I do in some of this stuff. So it's very funny because I, I never would have thought that. But as we talk about the numbers and stuff, you know, she's sometimes the one pushing to take more out of the savings and put it into the investments. So uh, uh, shout out to her on that. She, she's probably better at it than I am. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I think, you know, from a liquidity perspective, um, it's not a permanent thing, right? So I, even though my liquidity levels went down paying off the mortgage, they've gone up p- 
post mortgage, right? So net net, I I, I think I'm I'm fine. Um, I, I Dave Ramsey once again he talks about financial peace, right? That's his mantra. So he has these baby steps that are in place, and and once again you could walk his baby steps. You'll find them out there, you know. Um, but one of the steps is pay off your mortgage, right? And and so if you follow his steps and you follow his mantra, it all leads to the financial peace. So Paul, like you said, if a if a washing machine breaks or something, I I like to think I'm in the same boat. I'm thankful and grateful because there are people out there if their washing machine breaks, they can't fix it. They can't buy a new one. Um, if they have to get a new one, it has to be on 20% interest rate on credit, right? Um, it, there, there's a lot of stuff out there. So I'm thankful and grateful. Like, I'm in the same boat. When something breaks, um, I'm able to weather that storm and kind of and, 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 and see how that goes and, and pay that stuff off. So those little things in life, they're not, they're not an issue anymore. So um, I think we'll switch to uh, one more topic, and that's the credit score impact. And I, I think that... Paying off the mortgage does have an adverse impact on your credit score, at least in the short term, because now you've taken a big chunk of debt, paid it off. I'm not quite sure on this one, Paul. I don't know if it's a negative or a positive to pay off your mortgage. And and you are Mr. Credit Score, right? We That was clear from one of our previous <laughs> podcasts, and that's good because I'm not. What What is your bottom line take on, okay, you pay off your mortgage. What does it do to your credit score, short, medium, so and long term? So here, here's what I've noticed. So my current mortgage holder transferred my mortgage to another holder. And when they did that, it, it, it took a long time. It, it was actually kind of frustrating how long it took to, for, for the transfer to happen. I mean, in today's day and age with the data processing and the capabilities, it, it should not have been you know, a multi-month process, in my opinion. Uh, they did the cutover. And what happened is they said, okay, we did the cutover and they extended when the first payment was going to be due by 10 days. I'm like, what are you kidding me? I'm calling them up. Why didn't, because I had to actually have that automatically pull out now. Like, where's this? I don't want to pay any late fees on this. This is ridiculous. And oh no, just because of the transition and, and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, that's weird. And the reason why I say it took multiple months is they actually, it came off my credit report, the primary, and showing zero mortgages, zero amount due. And two of the three credit reports dropped my credit score, I want to say, by 20 points mm. and 15 points, respectively, when that happened. Now, nothing else changed. You know, my normal ebbs and flows of credit were really pretty normal. Right, maybe a little bit higher because it's right around the holiday season or right after, and you know it always lags a little bit. So dramatic, dramatic drop in, in points from for me. Um, and, and as you know from the previous episode, I watch it obsessively. Is what I think what my wife says. And uh, <laughs> then all of a sudden, just yesterday, I of course I I check too often, but I checked again yesterday. And they were up nine points and seven points, respectively. And the one that dropped the least went up the most. So no one knows their exact algorithm, but they're all pretty close. But it did have an immediate and negative impact on that mortgage going away. And then it went back up. And then interestingly enough, I think because that window that they had it, the credit down, you know, the, the mortgage, I should say, off on my report, one of my credit cards increased my balance uh, available credit by, I want to say, 30%. Wow. Interesting. Wow. I, I, I don't need that much money. And, and we talked about that in another episode. You know, I once called the, one of the credit cards back and said, no, put it back to what it was. And that had a negative impact on my credit report. So I feel like sometimes it's just... It's, it's a constant, constant uh, balance to trying to keep that score. Me, it's like I gamify it, right? So yeah. It's a game now. Yeah. No. It, that, that's what I do with it. It makes sense. And for me, the credit score, I mean, this kind of goes back to, you know, if you, if you did, if the mortgage was gone, you wouldn't have had to deal with the noise of this transfer that you had was completely out of your hands, right? And I had something similar happen with my college loan. We talked about that in a previous episode many moons ago. Uh, where the, my the college my uh, the, our, my financial superhero bailed me out, 
um he conferenced uh um this yeah. uh, the mortgage company the 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 college loan company it was a whole thing it's in a previous episode so i won't go into it but he 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 dug into them deep and 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 fixed it for me but they made an error right just like they're extending you know so that's the one thing and it's comes you know whether it's credit cards or mortgage companies and stuff like that you do have to watch that piece but if you didn't have a mortgage you don't have to worry about that part right but kind of getting back to the whole credit score impact what i've noticed was and i didn't look at it at the time honestly um, but you know, now when I look at my, I've looked at my credit score recently, I think I looked at it prompted after our last episode where we talked about credit score, you know, it's, it's at the, you know, it's, it's in the high range, right? And it would, it's at a point where if I needed to go buy a car or I wanted to get another mortgage or I needed to buy something on credit, it, it's, 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 I don't think about it, but I've always lived my life that way. I never really thought that paying off my mortgage would impact my credit score. And, and if it, told me it was going to impact it negatively, um, I probably, I would do it anyway, right? So I think that's kind of, um, you know, oh, I the, agree with you, you know, I agree. how this would look, just, you know, so. It's just weird that it does. It shouldn't, right? Because I've been paying this off fine. Then all of a sudden it's gone. And now my score goes down when I have more available cash flow. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. But, you know. That's their algorithm, whatever it is. Yep. So, so I would leave that kind of off the table. You know, when it comes to this, I, I think it. You know, I think if anything, there'll be a short-term hit on your credit if you pay off your mortgage in full. Um, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I think there's other bigger fish to fry in the topics that we covered today. I think the last topic, last last topic we'll cover is around. I'm just gonna call it predictions, right? And I think, for me personally. The next five to ten years are going to be a tax disaster for anybody who's sitting in the middle class, right? And, and Paul, I, I think that's where we sit in this middle class realm. And I think it's just going to be a disaster. I, I think that, you know, with all the money that has been spent in the last five years, um, especially with COVID and everything else, and, and it's, this is not a political rant. I think this is just reality, right, that too much money has and will be spent and the next five to ten years, I think it's going to be a tax disaster for most of our uh, listeners out there uh, who are listening to this. So for me personally, having no mortgage, I feel, will help me enable weather that storm, right? Whether it's the impact on real estate taxes, school taxes on your real estate, uh, uh, other property taxes, your personal income taxes, uh, capital gains tax, anything that most of our listeners that are listening um, are dealing with, um, they're going to get hit hard, right? And, and, and for me, I think it's about weathering that storm. So I, I like the fact that I have a little more shelter by not having to worry about that payment. So once again, this goes back to financial peace. Um, but Paul, what's your take on the, on the next predictions, right? Next five years when it comes to, I don't know how this really ties to the mortgage, but I did tie it to my mortgage situation. Uh, <laughs> but how do you, what, what is your thoughts on this piece? You you can't give away trillions of dollars and someone's got to pay for that somehow, right? And again, not to be a, a, a political rant, but everything... It's math. Someone's got to pay somewhere, right? Yep. So, someone's got to pay somewhere. Uh, you know, you know, maybe you're a, a college kid who did a part-time job or, or, you know, did an internship during the summer, right? And... Hey, so they did an internship for a couple months. They worked at a company. Great. And then they're getting the the stimulus plan. Like, is that really needed? I mean, it, it, no one's going to say no. Everyone likes money, right? But we're all going to pay for that somehow, some way, right? Those who are on, you know, maybe on, maybe they're in, um, you know, in retirement already, and they're already set. They're getting the stimulus checks. Again, it's great. It can help people in different ways. Uh, I kind of wish they had done it differently, and this is just uh, my own two cents on it. Uh, people can send us messages if you really don't like the thought. But I kind of feel like if you were in need, it's like on assistance, whether it be you know, you know unemployment or you know the, the food stamp programs or the EBT, they call it, you know, if you're on that, then I could see that check being meaning so much 
to to those folks, and that's who needs it. I, you know, did my college kid need it? No. Like, he, sure, he he took it and invested it, but I I just that that's what troubled me most about all that is that I, I so much went out. We all gonna have to pay for all of this for COVID for everything, and I get that, but. I wish they'd just been a little bit more thoughtful about how they did it. Yeah, I, I, my opinion on the whole thing is, and I've talked about this in the past, I, I don't have a, my opinion doesn't matter. What matters is how am I going to work within that new world, right? So, you know, whether my my real estate taxes skyrocket or my, uh, my taxes, I could sit here and say, well, and, and I get it. I, I know what you're saying, Paul, but for me, it's a done deal, right? So for me, it's more yeah, about strategy. Yeah, it's, it's more about strategy. And, and for me, I think that my strategy is really still in play where, you know, I'm trying to minimize and get rid of all the debt, maximize savings um, because, and I talked about this in the past, right? So people said, "Oh, you know, your mortgage is done. You're you're on easy street." No, I got to worry about college now, right? I gotta I gotta now take that energy and focus and that math and that money, and I gotta dump it into college savings, right? Um, that type of thing. And I don't know what the next frontier will be after that, right? I have um, you know one going to college in, in the next two years. I have one going to college in the next five, six, seven years. Um, you know, that's where I'm gonna need the money. So it's you know, people were like, "Oh, now you could go." buy whatever. I'm like, no, no, the money is earmarked, right? It's got it. The journey doesn't end, right? Yes. I got over that hurdle. There's like, there's another bunch of hurdles in front of me, right? So, um, but it it all comes down to uh, self-preservation, self-economic preservation. preservation. I'm trying to keep everything in check that allows for me to, you know, live this life um, to the best I can financially um, and, and, and once again, it goes down to risk tolerance, all these different things. So I think with that, we'll jump into the recap, right? Cause I think we've, we've kind of gone in a couple of different directions, but I think it was a great episode. Um, I'm going to listen back on this this week and, and really enjoy it. So thank you, Paul, um, for joining me on this, because I think it's a great topic to revisit. Um, if I had the chance, uh, to, you know, to do it again, you know, if I went back in time to pay off my mortgage, would I have done anything differently? Yeah. I would have paid it off much, much sooner. I would have I would have done it way earlier and I would have taken that money sooner. I had a friend that I worked with many many years ago and he he was doing it, you know, early early on in his mortgage because the earlier you do it in the mortgage, the, oh, the more benefit you get, right? So I should have done it way sooner. I shouldn't have hesitated. I should have pulled the trigger and get it done. I would have been in much better shape. So that's my thing and then one last thing we talked about it last week or the week before. I'm getting my taxes done this Wednesday. So I am getting them done in April. So um, so I am going to get them done, but Paul, I'll let you have the last word on uh, summary recap. Well, well, it's funny about the taxes there, Paul, because when we were talking about it, I told you, yeah, I will be doing them on this date, you know, a few weeks in advance. And you're like, ah, I'm working on it this weekend. And yet mine are done and you're still not. So I, I, I just have to say that. Yeah. I yeah. Know. I never got I done. It. I had to switch in direction. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'll get them knocked out this week. So, so for me, I'm not going to change. I wouldn't have changed anything. Uh, I, I really don't think I would have. I was extremely aggressive and paying extra payments when my mortgage rate was in the seven and a half or percent range. I was extremely aggressive trying to pay that down and off. As the rates came down, I was less inclined to do so, and I started doing more things with the money, more investments, making sure maxing out if I could my 401ks and and taking advantage of things that way. But when the rate was much higher, yeah, no, I, I was all about paying that off. When rates came down, I started retooling how I was looking at it. So I, I, I really have zero regrets on the way I've done it. Uh, I'd probably do it all the same way, just maybe tweak it a little bit here and there and be a little bit smarter about it. Uh, I don't think I'd change much at all, though. I really don't. You see, and there you go. So, you know, for those of you listening out there, you know, different paths, right? So hopefully what you'll take away from the episode today is that there are different points of view, no right or wrong answer to any of this. 
and you should be able to make an intelligent decision about your mortgage. So depending on where you sit, if you have a mortgage, not have a mortgage, whatever that situation is, your job situation, money on hand, future earnings potential, whatever that is, you're going to come together and do your own analysis on what the best path forward is for you. And, and we wish you luck with that. And once again, no, no right or wrong answer here. So, uh, Paul, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you 